0: It's the Auburn Observer podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson here in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, I got here uh, Saturday before the game. Still here recording this on Sunday morning. Going to head back here in a little bit to Auburn, uh, a victorious Auburn. I'm sure the plane ride back uh, to the planes for the Auburn basketball team on Saturday night was a very, uh, it was a very joyous one as the Tigers come back and beat Ole Miss. Away from home, down thirteen late in the first half, come back and win uh, a big one uh, means a ton. We will talk about it a ton, but I cannot do it alone. We, as in my two co-hosts. First off, Dan Peck of the Dan Peck Radio Network, the Dan Peck Multimedia Empire. The eldest boy, the Henry He's is that a scarf? What are you? Or are you just? You're 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 you're, pre- you're
1: prepping yourself for something over there. Let's get cozy everyone. There that's that's the, the the 2024. No, I got the I got the I got the 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 sleepy time tea uh, bear outfit uh, going uh, to... Hey Justin, so what is the first movie you think of when you hear Morgan Freeman's name? Shawshank. Yeah. That's I mean I I think I'm an unforgiven guy, but Shawshank's a good mm-hmm. answer. I think Dark Knight or like one of the Batman's makes sense. You know because uh, uh, he, yeah, you know, he, yeah, th- he's so he,
0: good in the in the Dark Knight movies. He's yeah. Great, yeah, he's
1: great in the series there. And uh, um, I, I Million Dollar Baby still the most depressed I've ever been leaving a theater uh, in in my uh, in, in my life.
0: Really? That was oh, yeah. pretty.
1: That was pretty rough. That I went in still... cold. I went into Million Dollar Baby cold. Oh yeah. And so yeah, and, and it, as like I thought it was going to be like Rocky, and it's not.
0: Yes, it's definitely not Rocky. Uh, I, I think I've said this before. The most impressive I've ever left uh, left a movie theater was uh, Martin Scorsese's Silence. That one, even knowing what, what it was going in, still still got me. Like, by the way, speaking of Morgan Freeman, you know, obviously this is a setup. I'm going to go ahead and, and let you make your pitch right now, uh, Dan. Jani Broom obviously had the incident with Morgan Freeman. He's a big Morgan Freeman guy. Uh, apologize. Freeman was, was you know, it seemed to be all, all as well. Jani Broom said at, in the post game quote, "I'm a big movie guy, and he's a and 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 he he's a big Morgan Freeman movie guy." Dan, I think I think you want I think you want to make, make a pitch to Janai uh, about a podcast venture.
1: Yeah, well, well I mean it starts as an invitation for Janai to come on the show and we can talk as much or as little basketball as he wants. And if he wants to just talk movies, like if you, if Janai broom just wants to come on the show and talk movies for an hour, I think that would be amazing. And, and we talk very little basketball, but I'd also love to talk basketball with Janai. Uh, I, I also want to throw out there. Maybe Janai and I could start the big movie guys podcast mm. because we are both, we are both big guys and big movie guys. Uh, I don't know. There's something there. So Janai, uh, you know, have have uh, have your people call my people, uh, and we can uh, we can get something rolling here.
0: Also joining us, he's back on the mic, folks. Your long national nightmare is over. Painter Sharpless, uh, coming to you from the bunker. Painter uh, went to Oxford. Actually, I'm still in Oxford. And uh, you asked me when we were, I was driving over. Hey, am I going to eat well? We talked about that. And in your honor, Saturday night after the game. You know the, the the square downtown Oxford is nuts on Saturday nights, L- folks out there. A lot of great restaurants. So I was just kind of popping around. But my first shot, I was like, all right, I got to try to go to Saint Leo in Oxford. It's an incredible Italian place. And I was like, maybe I can get a seat at the bar. Maybe there'll be something open and a little later later in the day. They're they were open late. And I walk in, and sure enough, there's a there's one seat left at the bar. I go in there, and in your honor. I had some of the best pasta I've had in my life. So this is that was your inspiration. I I hope I served you well, and and we're glad to have you back on the mic here for this episode.
2: Yeah, I I know you love Oxford food. Uh, I think you even wrote about it recently, saying maybe it it was uh, the best in in the conference. I'm sure there could be a lively debate about that. Nonetheless, for a town that's really not very large, to be in that conversation at all is uh, oh, you know. I think the first time I went to Oxford, I was kind of blown blown away by that.
0: Absolutely, I think like per capita, it probably hits the hardest of any SEC town. Like I, I think, like Athens and Knox obviously Baton Rouge, but I mean Baton Rouge is its own. I mean it's a it's a, it's a city. It is a it is a full grown city. So I think for the college town vibes, it, it's definitely Oxford. You know, takes the takes the cake there in the in the great food race. But you know, I'm sure that would be a debate. Uh, my buddy, I, I want to throw this one out there before we launch into the end of the show two two actually two things first off speaking of food uh my buddy daniel who i went to college with a uh, longtime observer subscriber um he suggested he was like hey the roster tracker for football is nice we need a restaurant tracker on the observer where it's like if we go anywhere where do i need to go and that is, that might be in the works for an off-season project we did the uh we did the auburn food podcast that might be the next uh innovation so stay tuned on that for number two uh talked to several auburn fans uh, met met several auburn fans here in oxford was really cool Uh, our guy tiger chuck uh long time observer uh subscriber Uh, it was good to see him again and then i met uh i met a uh inner circle member ryan talked to him and dan this is for you specifically we 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 talked uh here on, on sunday morning and he was like, hey, when's the podcast coming out? Is podcast coming out later? Day? I said, Hey, I'm actually about to go start recording. We we're at the hotel. And uh, he said, Well, that's great because I need I need my Troy women's basketball update. So Dan, get me give me give me the give me the scoop real quick, real quickly. How are the Trojans doing?
1: Good news and bad news. Um so so Troy dropped the game Saturday to Southern Miss. Southern Miss pulled out all the stops. Uh, that, you know, senior day, letter winner's day, you know, that they, they gave Troy their absolute best shot. It played out a little bit like the Auburn game, except it was the home team that really surged ahead. Troy was outscored scored 41, 22 in the second half by Southern Miss. And they, and they pulled away there in the fourth quarter, hitting free throws and stuff. But it was, uh, but, but the Trojans, it's not all bad on Saturday because Marshall had previously, Marshall had started the year 10 and 0 in the Sun Belt, and Marshall and Troy don't play in the regular season. It's the one team that Troy did not draw on the schedule this year by, uh, by random chance, Marshall lost at home to JMU. So Troy does not, you know, Troy keeps pace on the fight. Yep. There's still one, there's still one game back. Uh, and, and with the win against, uh, Monroe on Thursday, they've knocked Monroe a game back in the standings as well. So if you're going to go one and one this weekend, you probably wanted to beat Monroe and lose to Southern miss, you'd love to win Saturday because it would have uh, tied you at the top of the conference with Marshall, but there's a lot of basketball left and Marshall showed that they're mortal and they can lose even at home. So I think it's a, uh, it's wide open and we've got Wednesday night. We've got ODU at ODU. That's the team that eliminated Troy. Have I, I don't uh, know. A revenge I, game. Have I talked about what happened at the end of the Sun Belt yes. Tournament? Okay. Yeah. For folks who may or may not remember, ODU used six players on the final on, on one of the final plays of the quarterfinals of the Sun Belt Tournament in 2023. They had a player inbounding the ball.
0: And newcomers may know, may, may learn that you can only have five on the floor. <laughs> yeah.
1: So so they had not they had someone inbounding the ball and they had five players running around. Uh, trying to get open. And then that's when, such a good move. And, then, get away with it, and then when they inbounded it, someone on the bench grabbed one of the players and pulled her off the court. So they, <laughs> they had five. And I here's it couldn't have been intentional because a technical foul in that moment would have been so crushing for ODU. Like to risk it is crazy. But it's it's what happened. You can, you know, it, it's uh, and and Troy has uh, yeah, it's the first time Troy has seen ODU since that game. So feels like a big one. Uh, we're going up to uh, uh, going up to Virginia to take on the Monarchs.
0: All right, Auburn, Ole Miss. Let's get into it because there's a lot to talk about here, and it's a big one. And obviously, we'll look ahead to Auburn, Alabama on Wednesday night because that is one of the biggest ones I can remember in that series history coming up.
1: Rivalry Wednesday. We've yeah, got let's
0: go. Let's go, Rivalry Wednesday. Um, fellas, this this game was. Different from the jump we had talked about it going in. I had said in our last podcast, I had never been to the pavilion in Oxford, which is a very nice arena, very much like an updated version of Neville Arena. Um, a little bit more bells and whistles. I had never been there when it was a really good crowd, and the student section at Old Miss filled up like that. And I was like, okay, this is gonna be a different feeling. Um and, and Ole Miss got off to a great start in this game. They shot well. They were hitting some tough shots, too. Um, Late in the shot clock, hands in their face. They were playing really well, but we had talked about how Ole Miss was better at home. They're a different animal scoring at home than they are on the road, where Auburn really, really limited Ole Miss in the first matchup. But Auburn was down 13 late in the first half. And I mean, the reaction on social media from fans all is like, "Man, they can't do it on the road. What's up with this team? What's going on? What's wrong? This is this is this is bad, you know." And Dan, in the words of the late great Carl Weathers, Auburn looked at that game and said, "Hold on now, whoa, whoa, whoa! There's still a lot of meat left on that bone," and this was. This was one of the best comebacks I can remember Auburn pulling off, at least in recent years. It starts with a little surge late in the first half from Denver Jones. Jalen Williams hitting a big three to kind of get his momentum back on. And then the second half was one of of the best halves of basketball you're going to ever see anywhere. Auburn comes back and wins a huge one. But, man, I mean, this was – Auburn wasn't dead in the water, obviously, but, you know – I think I think the belief was running low among, some, um, among the members of the fan base for good reason, probably, the way Auburn had been playing on the road. But then you talk about getting it right when you absolutely need it. Uh, Auburn did that and then some over the final 23 minutes of the game.
1: You talk about getting a stew going. You talk about getting a stew going. Auburn in the second half of that basketball, 56 points in the second half. Ole Miss, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Justin – the uh, Ole Miss defense is something that I know. I know the offense had been uh, efficient lately, uh, but Ole Miss's defense is something the computer numbers liked. And it's been a calling card of Chris Beard for a long time uh, throughout his career. And Auburn w- w- was able to go right through them. Like it was, I mean, they, they they marched right through Ole Miss in the second half. And it felt like whatever we talk about the, this team's ability to counterpunch, whatever Ole Miss tried, Auburn was able to make the right move—the extra pass, the uh, the patient shot. Everything Auburn had was working, and they really put the clamps down and forced Ole Miss into. And maybe maybe that didn't change, right? Maybe Ole Miss was hitting low percentage shots in the first half to build that lead, but Auburn forced Ole Miss into a lot of low percentage yes. or you know it was it was uh, unfavorable. Looks in the second half constantly for that Ole Miss offense, and it drained the life out of a, a building that that you had never seen uh, in the state it was in last night. Right, like you you'd yeah. never seen it like that, and and Auburn was able to uh, Auburn was able to stare it down and 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 come away with its its most impressive road win of the season, and maybe maybe it's the most impressive single win of the season.
0: Bruce Pearl said it was the best one of the season, and I, and I, I tend to agree. Not just. I mean, They've beaten some teams that are on paper a little better than Ole Miss this year, but to do it on the road in the fashion that they did, you know, it's hard to
1: top that. Um, And getting and getting a program's best shot the way you did last night, right? Absolutely. Like I mean, there's something to be said for. And that's if you want to know if you're young and you don't remember the dark days, let me tell you something. Auburn basketball always getting a team's best shot when they go on the road. It being Beatlemania. When Auburn comes to your gym, that's new, like that's not a, that's not something that's happened for decades. And it was always other teams circled when Auburn was coming to town in men's basketball, and it was an event that you had to go see. That's another of the, the Bruce Pearl effect on this program, uh, seeing crowds like that on the road when it's, and, and I know Chris Beard has injected some life. Yeah, they had some good
0: good crowds their last couple of of home games. They just set a program record for attendance against the state. state. That's the other thing, too. Ole Miss was playing very well, and it was undefeated at home. Now, some of that schedule was pretty soft and non-conference play, but still, this is a team that they walk into that building, they think, we got this. And for the first 17 minutes and change of this game, they did. Danny, your point you were saying earlier, about the defense, because we'll talk about the offense. The offense was unreal in this in this game in the second half. But we had said it. I wrote about it on Saturday heading into the game. It had been the calling card. It had been the, the, the you know, Bruce Pearl and his staff had been hammering the importance of defensive practice all week. I mean, I can tell you that he was just over and over again. And, yeah, like, Ole Miss hit low-percentage shots in the first half. Full credit, hat tip. I mean, there were some looks that Matthew Morell was hitting where I don't know if Auburn could have defended it any better. Uh, Alan Flanagan, a very familiar name for Auburn fans, obviously, um, was, was hitting some tough shots in traffic. And Ole Miss was just getting what they wanted on offense. And even late in the shot clock, with hands in their face, they were hitting shots. And, and they had momentum and energy and everything was going. Jani Broome said, at halftime, defense was kind of the 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 big message because a couple of things here. Number one, Jani said that they looked at each other and said, yeah, they're hitting low percentage shots, but we still got to get stops. Like, like, you know, we can't just let them keep doing that, right? And they did. And then secondly, you know, Bruce Pearl made the point to his players that was like, look, that was not a good half of defense. You gave up 44 to him. You only turned him over twice. That's not our That's not our brand of basketball. You're down nine. We're still in this game. You still got, you still got this. When Denver gets the and one late in the first half, and then Jalen hits the three, and then Denver hits the corner three late, cuts it back to single digits, I kind of felt in the arena, I was like, okay. The fact, like, even if it's just seeing a number... Go from two digits to one digit. It felt significant late like the first half. Was like, okay, they're not they're not going to get run out of here. That was the overwhelming feeling I had late because of what Denver and then and a little bit from Jalen. And the big thing at halftime, uh, as Jalen Williams told everybody on STC Network, as we got it confirmed by Janai Broom and Bruce Pearl after the game, Bruce Pearl said he walked in, said, "Hey guys, we got to tighten up on defense," and Chad Baker Mazzara. Leaded the room of the coaches and got right to it. And they and and, and, and Jani said it, it, you know, it was a it was a big shift for them. You know, they felt like they were they they turned it around there at that halftime seats, so the players only talking amongst themselves. And Janai said, like, nobody was pointing anybody out, nobody was calling anybody out. It was encouraging, it was uplifting, and it was like it was more of those things where these guys like at each and said, We're only down nine. They're hitting crazy shots. If we just do what we do, we feel like we we can still win this game. And credit goes to Chad Baker, mazar and Janai Broom and Jalen Williams and the other guys who stepped up and talked. Credit also goes, I mean, obviously to Bruce Pearl and his staff for just getting out of the way when they felt like that was a good time to do it. He said it after the game. He said, "This this is their team," and and he's been a, he's been a part of a, a lot of teams like this before. And I wrote about it in the observations on on, on Sunday morning, Dan, but, like, we hear this is the closest team Bruce has had. This is the hardest-working team Bruce has had. And it's easy to say that when you're beating the brakes off of everybody and everything's going well. But I did think we saw in that halftime, hearing from what happened in halftime and then in that second half, like, it's a lot more relevant to say those things when they are being put to the ultimate test. And being down 13 late in the first half to a red-hot team at home is one of those things. And in the second half, this team showed how close they were. They showed how hardworking they were. Chris Beard, after the game multiple times, said he thought Auburn was more mentally tough and more physically conditioned, better conditioned, than Ole Miss was, and that made a huge difference. Obviously, a ton of shot-making makes a difference as well, but we've heard all this stuff about this team and how different they are. And again, it's easy to say that when you're blowing people out, but we got to see them do this in a really back against the wall situation, and it could be a turning point for what this the rest of the season looks like.
1: And that's some of that is you know a guy in year ten, year eleven at his program versus a guy in year one, right? He's had players. Coach has had players who have been through his system for multiple years. I know there are some new arrivals on this team, but he's had multiple, you know, a lot of his key guys aren't in year one at Auburn. Chris Beard assembled a roster, you know, he had some guys stick around, but he assembled a roster after, uh, you know, after, after arriving at Ole Miss this off season. And so, you know, I, I could see why, you know, he's he's talking about things that, that coach Pearl has been able to, uh, you know, he's, he's been able to ingrain in the Auburn program that, you know, he's, he's in a lot of ways, I imagine, with with Ole Miss's relative lack of tradition and history in men's basketball, Chris Beard looks at what Bruce Pearl has done at Auburn and says, maybe that's what this can become, right? Like, maybe and, if... It-
0: and to your point, he said this before the game and after the game, Bruce said, he was like, look, it took me three years to do what Chris Beard's done in three months. I think Ole Miss is, in, is, is ahead of the game. Dan, you were high on Ole Miss before the season, higher than I was. And, and and it's turned out to be right. Now, I don't know how good Ole Miss is going to end up being. I don't know if they're going to end up making the tournament, but they they are a lot feistier than I think people gave them credit for heading into the year. And that is to sweep a team like that is not easy. And, and Auburn did that, and I think it's gonna it's gonna help them out a ton.
1: Right, and and there are resources available to Chris Beard to reboot a program that weren't available to Bruce sure. Pearl. I mean, a lot of these guys were D one players that played somewhere else last year. And you couldn't just add a bunch of those when Bruce Pearl arrived at Auburn without a lot of them having to sit out because of the old rules of college basketball.
0: And, and the quality of guys who went in the transfer portal were different. Those early Bruce teams had transfers, but I'm I mean, I'm not I'm not ragging on those guys because they 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 helped build the foundation of the program, but like you weren't plucking an Allen Flanagan. You weren't plucking a, you know, a, a regular starter at the SEC level. You know, out of the portal, then it was a lot of guys you had to take some flyers on and some chances on.
1: Oh, certainly. I think. I mean, I think Ole Miss had a, a couple different players in double figures last night who were transfers from other. I mean, Flanagan and Cisse. I don't believe was on last year's team either. Like he went, he went and added no. a couple of, of of key guys, Murray, Like there's, uh, you know, there's Murray. there's there's good players on on that team that that you know are are in year one.
0: Yeah, and and another one that's in year one and a big part of this game, you, you can't really analyze this game and break it down without pointing it out, is the fact that one of those guys is Jamarian Sharp. Now, Jamarian Sharp has not been as big of a factor for Ole Miss since Musa Cisse uh, uh, became eligible uh, for for the Rebels, but in the first meeting, he had 8.6 boards, a few blocks. Jamarian Sharp, to tell you, Jamarian Sharp, he's 7'6", 7 something like that. Like he's, he's very, very tall. He's the tallest player in D1. When Walker Kessler was leading the nation in blocks and block percentage two years ago, Jamarion Sharp was his best competition at Western Kentucky. This is a dude who's been an elite rim protector for years and years and years. He did not play yesterday for Ole Miss because of an illness. He's out of this game. That gave Ole Miss a lot of trouble because Musa Cisse is not a guy that is is going to play 30 minutes and 34 and 35 minutes. So what they had to do, and they don't have a whole lot of depth in, in their front court, so what they had to do is they had to take Jamin Breakfield, a really good power forward, a, a guy Auburn wanted, a guy Auburn really liked, former Duke guy, former five-star. They had to play him as a small ball five, and that just shifted everything about this game because now, you know, BP said it after the game. I think he said it best, and he said this. They were they were at a disadvantage without Moose to Cisse. They were smaller. He's like, not everybody can take advantage of that, but not everybody has Janai Broom. And again, we look at a game where Janai Broom is scoreless in the first half, and it was just like, well, how is he going to get to 12 or 14 or 16 points? Because it's going to happen. We've seen it time and time and time and time again. And he does in this game. But the crazy thing about Janai Broom's performance in this game was what he was doing before he was scoring. All right, It's a career-high seven assist for him. The inside-out game went nuts for Auburn in this one because Ole Miss it couldn't hang with him one-on-one. You're in trouble because uh, Janai was at, at, after a slow start in the second half. He was beating dudes off the dribble. He had great post moves. He was finishing, and when they double-teamed, he had really good vision. There was that that corner kick-out, you know, baseball pass that he hit to Denver Jones with about six and a half, seven minutes left to go in the game. For a three, that was phenomenal. One of the best passes you're going to see from anybody. And he and he hits it. But Bruce said, you know, he thought in the first half, even though Jani's shots weren't falling. He said it felt like he was just calm and he got in foul trouble and he got that double tech. And he but he just was even keeled. He wasn't getting, you know, in his feelings about his about his shots not going down. He was still playing his, playing good defense. He was still trying to help him protect the rim. But he was bringing this sense of calm and, um, you know, just just stability. And then the rest of the team fed off of that. Chris Beard, after the game, said he didn't let his first half affect his second half. That's what pros do. That's what that's what one of the best players in the SEC does. And Janiah Broom, we keep saying it, Dan, over and over and over and over again, do not take for granted how crazy good this guy is because not everybody, in very, 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 very few people in college basketball are putting up stat lines that, like he is every single night. Ken Palm has him as the number three player in the National Player of the Year rankings, number two among Power Conference guys, MVP. And, and, and he showed it again on Saturday because he was a huge reason why Auburn just rushed Ole Miss in that second half.
1: Yeah and and the passing uh, has improved so since since when he's gotten here and, and teams can't collapse on him assuming he's just going to take his shot when he gets the ball now because he can create and he's I mean yeah he's, he's passing the ball like Chris Weber last night out of the uh out of the post out of the forward position I made a was... joke
0: that this I made a joke that second half's Jani Broome looks like Nikola Jokic <laughs> like you know, he was just throwing passes left and right uh and then uh you know again he's his face up game is great man he hits a three, you know. He does all that stuff. There's the move where he takes, where he just drops. I think it was breakfield off uh, with a with a kind of a like a little head fake crossover, and he gets an and one off of it. Like he's just, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough for people to hang with him. And 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 it just he creates his own gravity. Teams double. They bluff. They do stuff. He just finds the open man. And in this game, knock him down. And like Painter, I know we've talked about this. Over and over again, but like there's this criticism, I think, from Auburn fans, times when at times when they don't shoot well and it's playing the results and it's like, hey, we got to stop taking threes. We got that game yesterday, show while you shoot the open ones and they still had confidence in it. And I think, I think the my favorite quote of the year from VP uh, is going to end up being this one uh, when he said, uh, we're not going to change how we play just because we're on the road. I mean, that's that's just. It felt like he he was talking to a lot of people with that one.
2: I have to imagine that for a number of reasons, this one felt good. You had, obviously, the personal element with the Flanagans. While I don't think that he would ever publicly comment on that, you know, I think it's pretty natural to want to win these matchups maybe more than you normally would. And definitely the Flanagans wanted to win. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, the, the other part of that, it's more related to what you're talking about. I mean, for what, the last week or two? conversation certainly among Auburn fans and uh, perhaps some outside of the fan base has been, well, Auburn doesn't really have any good wins. You know, Auburn doesn't have a quad one win. And, and I feel like for Bruce now he can, it's like, we can stop talking about that. And like, this is a good team. This is not a perfect team, but this is a good team.
0: There are no perfect teams in college basketball to your point. And also I think Bruce had a really good quote about this as well. When he said like, we're playing for first place in the SEC in February, you know, on Wednesday night. That's a great spot to be in. This team, Dan, I, Dan, I don't want to, I don't want to undercut people's expectations. And 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 like, yeah, it, when Auburn loses and when they don't play well, you can be disappointed. And because it's your team and you want to see them win, there's no doubt about that. But remember, coming into this year, we were all kind of saying, "Yeah, if this team fights for a for a top four seed in the in the in the conference and hangs around in the tournament race or in the in the title race, they probably don't have what it takes to be a champion this year." But this could be a step forward from there. Where last year, you'll be fine; you'll be in a good spot for the terms. They are playing above, above expectations, even with those disappointments, and I think Saturday showed it because last year's team's not doing that. Last year's team isn't falling behind like that and finish and, and, and finishing it off and, and finishing it off the way they did because, A, I don't think they're shooting like that. B, it's just this team's different. Um, but to this point, like, yeah, I, I I think it's going to be tough for Auburn to win the SEC title this year. I just do. There's there's a lot of competitors. You're going to have to play some really, really good teams. You're a little behind Alabama, the pace of Alabama right now. But you're in it. You're at the halfway point, and you are firmly in the race. And um, I think that says a lot about where this team is.
1: Oh, you're not just firmly in the race. You are playing for first place on Wednesday right. night. As right. as a matter of fact, you know it, it's uh, no. But but I agree. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how the race. Should... I, I want to get back to if if anything. I know mm-hmm. Ole Miss built that lead in the first half. It was maybe a missed opportunity that they weren't up by more. Right. Like when you think about, like you know, if 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 they had played, and I know you, you know some of it had been low percentage, but if anything. They were gonna need to take advantage of the mistakes Auburn was making in that first half. Because regression to the meme or, or whatever, you know, like like, like the, the idea that you're not going to keep a team that far away from their averages for a really long time. And you know, you're not gonna be that far a- above your own averages for that long of a time. Right. So you want to build as large of a, you know, as big of a pad as, as possible for for that lead. And and Ole Miss, you know, in hindsight, you know, if they could if they could have grown that thing to uh, you know, to to sixteen or eighteen when when it was at twelve, like maybe that would have given them enough in the second half to withstand or or at least hold off Auburn for longer. Because that, I mean, the way Auburn started the second half, oh, so good, erased erased any uh, yeah. and any any comfort Ole Miss could have possibly had in in how the game was playing out. I mean, it was like tied like four
0: minutes into the second half. Like this was they erased it pretty quickly. Uh, to your point, Dan, like. I think part of it also is credit goes to Auburn for not, for not packing it in. I mean, early on, how big were the two Trey Donaldson threes early in the game? Because Ole Miss could have easily had a 12-point lead right out of the shoot. and it's just, what do you do off of that? Auburn hit shots in the first half. They hit, good. they were 3 of 5 from deep early, and they stuck with it. They got into a cold spell in the first half, and Ole Miss used that to kind of push their lead, but they were good shots, and it's just like, all right, if you keep at it, keep at it. Maybe they start falling and they did and in the second half it was more of like hey well they don't have anybody who can hang with jalen and if they have to play breakfield over that's going to create more opportunities for jalen williams shout out to jalen williams man and and i joked during the game he saw the tweets i i got tweets messages i got texts from from friends family members that were like what in the world's going on with jalen williams and it's like a big game and jalen williams is not is is not playing well and that's kind of been the knock on him um and then in the second half, he goes crazy. You know, has some thunderous dunks, makes some big plays on defense, great rebound. And Auburn defensive rebounding travel. Auburn rebounded the heck out of the ball in this. One. This is a really good. This is a really good matchup for them to win that. Ma- win that battle. And once Ole Miss's crazy shot making started drying up, uh, that that advantage became even bigger. Chad Baker Mazzara does a great job in the second half. I mean, he, he played well in the first half too, but. Making everything happen. Uh, he goes that dunk he had. That was Jabari esque. The, the 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 baseline drive dunk. Um, shout out to a friend of the uh, friend of the newsletter uh, and uh, and longtime observer subscriber inner circle member Johnny who tweeted. It was so I don't know if y'all saw this. Really good tweet after the game last night. Said that uh, in his head. Uh, the Chad Baker Mazar's halftime speech was just a bunch of incomprehensible Spanish to his teammates, and his guys were just like, just rolled with it anyway. It's like, yeah, oh, all right, got it. Keep going. Uh, uh, Chad thought it was funny too. Uh, in, uh, and, and, uh, but
1: I do want to, I do want to caution people, having spoken to Chad, fluent in English, you know, it's, yes, it's not, yes. he's not, yeah, he's not Ricky Ricardo, right? Like, it's not like you don't have to, you know, he, he's, uh, well,
0: the funny thing is, is that Chad has like been trying to teach, uh, some of his teammates, some Spanish. Uh, if you ever come to a, come to a game early, watch them stretch and listen to Chad shout out instructions for stretching in Spanish. That is the that has been one of the highlights of the season. But yeah, yeah, Chad played exceptionally well in the second half. You had these runs from these individual players, and then guys, if you ever want to have a have a display of this is what Auburn basketball is at its peak. I think it's Katie Johnson screaming his head off up by 9-11, whatever it was, up by double digits in the final minute, screaming at the Ole Miss student section at the beginning of a play, having a shot go up that was inconsequential, and this 6-2 shooting guard flying down the lane and throwing a put-back dunk and hanging on the rim like he's Sean Kemp and getting a technical and being completely fine with it. Um that's Auburn basketball and that's KD Johnson. Like that that was one of that is a moment that I think people are going to remember from this season for a while. It's like, "Hey, remember when <laughs> remember when KD screamed his head off and then tried to put his head through the backboard on a yeah. on, on a dunk at the end of the game?" And I think John Rothstein, college basketball reporter and and real life robot tweeted like that that's that's what auburn basketball is that energy all the way to the very very end and i think that's again that is like like i said like that is that is exactly what you want to see from this team all the way to the finish like this team does not team slams the door on people and they are not afraid to just like run it up on you we saw that in the a&m game
1: you could caption katie's chin up with this is what peak performance looks like, right? Like that, that's, that, that's what it is there with Katie. And, and it's, and Br- look, Bruce, Bruce never likes seeing his guys pick up technical fouls. That's maybe the most acceptable one we're going to see. Like
0: he gave if- him a hug. That was the funniest part. about it. There were so many great moments of that last play. Cause I, I, I pointed it. I tweeted it. Katie screaming his head off at the beginning of the possession I didn't notice it at first, but in the screenshot I, 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 I took, uh, Nathan King pointed out that Jalen is pointing to like, hey, we got the ball. Like, hey, we're playing a free <laughs> Like, There's a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, the dunks, the the celebrations. Um, this is a team that was just having a ton of fun. And in the second half, we talk about it, 56 points, almost 1.7 points per possession, scoring on almost 80% of their tr- – down the floor. Guys, I, I tweet, you're not going to see a team play a better half of basketball on offense on the road in a quad one game. Period. Point blank. End of discussion. That second half was so good. Josh Dub pointed this out first on Twitter, so I gotta give him I gotta give him credit here. That first the second half on offense was so good for Auburn. This was the best offensive rating Auburn has had in a true road game ever. You can go back to the season is when um the 99 season is when the Ken Palm ratings. You know, started. Uh, That's where the data begins. That's really where Auburn Auburn's best offense of 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 its entire history happened. Never done this before in a true road game, and that's crazy. And Dan, like I know, there's the famous um, start that Auburn had against Ole Miss in the ninety nine the You know the 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 Chris Porter, the 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 alley oop. You know all that, and the beardy looking like it's about to, you know completely fall in on itself i felt like the ending of that game is kind of and it was fitting because it was against Ole miss it was just auburn doing that again like it was just on somebody else's home floor but having fun and it's just this team's got that kind of vibe to them and like those old teams like that 99 team like the ones in the past when they win they just beat the stuffing out of people and and that is even even when they start the game down by herbs th- you know start down by 13 at one point
1: We've referenced the the last game that the 2020 team played as well, right? The fun they were having in Knoxville, beating what what was a very good Tennessee team uh, to to close out the season in that game, and sort of giving you hope that in the in the NCAA tournament, which was canceled that year, you know may, maybe that this team could make some some noise. And they were rounding into form, and and yeah, I mean we were talking about how the February schedule did not seem favorable for Auburn. You're on the road against tournament teams. You're hosting tournament teams like it's 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 the the protein of the sec here in february including tennessee and in kentucky and and alabama uh and uh and alburn and you know to to start it with a performance like this uh you know makes you wonder how how far can this can this team take uh the, this this sec championship race
0: a few things uh before we move on i just wanted to shout out a few things that stood out to me that we haven't got to yet cheney johnson great game from him I know stats don't look look awesome in this one, but he made a ton of impact on this game. Katie Johnson and Chad beckham both missed practice time this week. Katie had strep. Um, Chad had... Uh, I'm not sure what Chad's issue was. Didn't no, seem but... to
1: keep him from screaming on on Saturday, but... Yep. Man, got the good stuff to get, to get him
0: over that. Um, both of those guys finishing the game for Auburn. Katie Johnson did not play very much in the first half. Second half, Bruce turns him loose late, and obviously... Gets a big, big, uh, you know, big impact from it. Uh, Trey Donaldson, great second half from him. Uh, I believe he finished with six assists, just one turnover in the game. Again, as Aiden Holloway still tries to find his form with his shot, I thought Aiden played pretty well at times. But, again, Trey being the lead dog right now at point guard and Aiden playing off that continues to be a great thing. Devor Jones, we talked about him getting aggressive there late in the first half, hitting shots. Auburn is very much a different team uh when Denver junk starts rolling like that, you did see some more of that on uh, on Saturday. And, you know, rankings-wise, uh looking at it real real quick, top five for Auburn on T rank, Hazelmetrics, Metrics, Ken Palm, Evan Maya's got him at six, BPI's got him at six, Nets got him at eight. This team, again, I know last week was difficult, uh, you know, and tough, but there's something to be said for a team for only losing really tough games away from home by single digits, and then going out and bouncing back like they did uh, and continue to pick up some really, really good wins. Um, we'll talk about it here shortly in the big picture, looking ahead to the Alabama game and the rest of the SEC race. But both Ken Palm and T-Rank all have Auburn and Tennessee and Alabama going 14-4 and four in conference play. That's where the projections are. So this, is, this second half of SEC play is going to be a whole lot of fun. And we'll talk about that here shortly. But before we do that, let's take care of some business. Hello. If you like this show and you would like some more of it, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer. It's $6 a month or $60 a year to get everything we do. That's all of our newsletters, all of our podcasts. And they get sent straight to your email inbox whenever they drop, usually 6 a.m. Central Time um, most mornings. And if you subscribe, you will get, again, a ton of stuff because we, we're very, very busy right now with you know the heat of basketball season, also keeping, keeping an eye on stuff with football. And, uh, you know, you subscribe now, you get all of football season, you get the rest of basketball season, you get a good chunk of basketball season next year. It's a great time to subscribe on that yearly plan, auburnobserver.com. Painter, how else can they help us out?
2: Great review, and follow the show wherever you listen to your podcast.
0: You can also go to homefieldapparel.com and buy the official Auburn Observer T-shirt. We were talking the most comfortable T-shirt that money can buy. Um, Navy, nice logo Very tastefully done Uh, Just go to uh, go to homefieldrepair.com And search Auburn Observer to buy that t-shirt You can also buy a ton of really good Auburn stuff Baseball season coming up right around the corner For you Auburn baseball heads We don't cover Auburn baseball on here But we like to keep track of it, keep an eye on it know a lot of y'all are really excited about this Auburn baseball team Some really good Auburn baseball designs on the site Always really good Auburn basketball stuff Football stuff, general Auburn stuff Also they keep refreshing If there's a school that you like that is it in Auburn? They probably got some cool stuff with you. They just they just did a Duke Carolina refresh for the weekend. Some of that stuff is nice. Very, very, very nice. Um, go to homefieldapparel.com. It's your first order. If it's your first order, I should say. 15% off if you use the promo code OBSERVER23 at checkout. Also, I can tell you guys this. Um, when we get closer and closer to the spring, when we get closer and closer to things warming up and people being outside and enjoying stuff outside, we're gonna bring back koozies. Don't don't worry, don't worry. We're 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 gonna do them. Koozies are back. Uh, might do another sticker on, and then we might have some. We might have another thing or two in the works for later in the year, um, merch wise. But koozies are coming back. We've got some. We've got some ideas. We got some designs. Might do. Might might drop some merch as well.
1: Uh, some for sticker the hard, merch as well. For for the hardcores out there, powder blue alternates in the conversation. You ne- you never yes. know what you never know what might be happening there. Hey, hey and and on uh, so. Part of me wants to nickname Janai the blockbuster now that we know he's a big movie guy. But I also didn't
0: we try that? Didn't we do that at one point? Did we call him that?
1: I don't know. I, think, I, I we, we I called
0: think... somebody the blockbuster.
1: Well, I I you know, I also kinda want it for myself. You know, I want to add that to the list of nicknames that you call me at the beginning of the show. That so is we'll...
0: That is your fantasy baseball team name now. That right? is,
1: yeah, that that is uh now now that we've made some some big acquisitions, uh, including uh Tyler Glasnow falling into my lap in the uh, in in the Greystone I tweeted to about this,
0: I tweeted about this earlier this week. I did see the picture of Tyler Glasnow, his first time in a in a Dodgers uniform. A, it makes me sick. B though, I wish I had Tyler Glasnow's hair. That man's got the most perfect hair I've ever seen uh of anyone. Uh, yeah, yes, serious, the blockbuster.
1: Serious sham uh, serious shampoo. Uh, uh, oh. spons- sponsorship possibilities uh, for uh, for Glass, who I, who I think is going to have a monster first year with the uh, with with the Dodgers. I I could see that really paying off uh, early. On. Assuming he can stay healthy, of course. I, I think that could be a that that's a guy. It's early. That's a guy to target in your fantasy leagues. Right? Is this the guy that looks a
2: lot like Killian Murphy based on the angle of his face that you're looking at?
1: Ah, uh, is that who that is? let's look this. Well, up. I might start calling him the destroyer of worlds if uh if if that's the uh, It is. The it case. is.
0: It is it is Painter. It is it is is killing is is, is he killing Murphy with long hair. Yes, that's him. That's exactly him, man. That's your boy. That's your boy. You were, you know, people got on the Murphy on the Murphy wave with Oppenheimer, you know, but you were you were on this, you were on this from the jump. Real heads remember the when Painter was obsessed with Peaky Blinders for like 5 years.
2: Was, baby. This is, there's no past tense. Still We're just is rewatching man. that in Sopranos and not not broadening our circle at all, <laughs> not,
1: not absorbing any new culture. We we peaked there. Can I ask, Painter? Have you seen Sunshine two thousand seven sci fi film? I have not.
0: I haven't even seen. That. Oh,
1: that's that's a, that's a Danny Boyle movie. It's the one he made. Uh, I think right before Slumdog, and um, it's and Killian Murphy is excellent in sunshine. I, I, I'm a, i am I would say it's for folks discovering Killian Murphy's work recently because of Oppenheimer or, uh, you know, if they're, if they're going back and watching Peaky Blinders, go see, see sunshine. It is, uh, it is an outstanding underseen, uh, 2007 science fiction film.
0: Bellas switching back to basketball here real quick and looking ahead to the future. Uh, second half of the sec race is going to be, like I said, pretty wild. Um, Fourteen and four is the projection for both out al- for both all three Alabama, Auburn, and Tennessee. Y'all, the South Carolina Gamecocks are currently tied with Auburn for second place in the SEC. Uh, this is a Carolina team that went eleven and twenty one last year. They went four and fourteen in the in the league. They got bounced in the first round of the SEC tournament. They got some dudes. Uh, they just beat Georgia at Georgia by ten. They are obviously coming off that big win at Tennessee. Uh, that game against Auburn, which comes up on Valentine's Day, is shaping up to be a really fun one as well. Uh, so keep an eye, keep it on Gamecocks. Um, but I-, I think it's telling if you want to talk about how good this Auburn team is and how you know how much what they've done to this point really matters, even if this was the first quad one win. Um, yesterday, Alabama. Beat the tar out of Mississippi State at home. At one point, at one point, I looked up and I saw that Alabama was up by thirty-three, and they had hit 11 threes and Mississippi State had hit zero. And a quick math tells you that was the difference. Um, and then Tennessee goes to Rupp and hands Kentucky another loss. Kentucky, by the way, if you're looking at the if you're looking at the SEC standings, Kentucky is currently. Five and four in the league, tied with Florida and Ole Miss um, towards the middle of the pack in the conference. So I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card, especially after Big Z went nuts for him a little while
1: ago. Do you remember before the season started when we were concerned – that when you bring in as many new elements to the team as Bruce Pearl had brought in this year, maybe they weren't going to fit defensively as, you know, as, as pieces that would, that would be able to immediately take to the, the Bruce Pearl style of defense and, and the Bruce Pearl tempo. And, and I think what's happening at Kentucky is you're seeing some of the concerns that we had about this Mm -hmm. Auburn team plan that now Kentucky is probably a more dangerous Offense than that Auburn. You know, the metrics would tell you they've got more statistically, probably. Yeah. yeah. Statistically, you know, but I would say Kentucky's Kentucky's inability to get stops against middle of the pack or better teams lately is something oh, get, that. Dog, they yeah.
0: gave up 100 in a
1: Yeah. To Tennessee. Crazy stat
0: from uh, uh, my buddy Mike Wilson, who does a phenomenal job covering the Tennessee Volunteers, especially basketball. He's also really good at football, but his basketball stuff's top notch. He tweeted uh, Sunday morning. Rick Barnes is now four and five at Rupp Arena. Before they hired Rick Barnes, Tennessee had only won four times in Rupp ever. So he has already matched <laughs> Tennessee's entire history at Rupp Arena. Um, Tennessee's awesome. Obviously, when you have the defense that they do, and they have Dalton Connect, uh,
1: Sky Ziggler had a crazy game last night. Uh, borzello borzello had the the stat from espn that uh, zakai Ziegler 25 and 10 uh, 10 assists uh no tennessee player had done that in a game in 25 plus years uh, to, to go to go to rup arena and,
0: and do yeah, it. Yeah. and jonas say i mean when he's on that team's really good it's and then you look up and you see alabama when alabama's hitting shots and, and they're playing fast they're they can beat anybody in the country point blank especially inside coleman coliseum and that's so where we lead to this next thing Auburn plays Wednesday night The rematch against Alabama um, As Janai Broome said after the game This one's personal This is a big one um, Auburn felt like th- Auburn felt like they had a real chance To walk out of there with a win uh, A couple weeks ago The t- turnovers early The lack of rebounding down the stretch And then even still Missed free throws Missed opportunities Auburn did not play a great game and still had a chance to win at Coleman. They come back to Auburn Arena, Neville Arena, where they are undefeated this year. And I'll I'll say this. There was talk after the the first matchup between Auburn and Alabama that it was like, hey, Auburn didn't play well and Alabama played their best game. I don't know if that was Alabama's best game because Alabama continues to play really, really well. They're pacing the SEC race right now. But today, like you said earlier, and like Bruce Pearl said uh, after the game, Auburn's got a chance to get in the tie for first place in in the SEC on Wednesday night in February. A big game, big atmosphere. I can't wait to see and hear and experience what that one's going to be like. But again, for a team that we thought coming into the season, yeah, well, maybe this could be a step forward this year. They could be in the mix. Not sure if they're going to be full-on contender material this is a really good spot to see how much. And even if they lose, which would be tough, obviously, they're not going to be completely out of it yet because of what they what they've done to this point. But this is a big one. This is a big one. This I think this is a separator from contender, like true SEC contender, and eh, maybe a top four seed, really good season. You know, still be in the mix for for a lot of good stuff. But like this one feels like one you got to have if you want to hang a banner.
1: Uh, you know, and, and I hate to assign homework, but I'd love to know from somebody how many times. The Auburn versus Alabama game has been for first place in in the SEC. Oh, how many okay. times? How many times these two teams have played where the winner is in first place in the conference? Because there have been years where you know both teams, you know, w- where one of the two is is in very serious title contention. But you know, I, I think that having an Iron Bowl of basketball with championship implications this deep in feb- this deep into the season. Is somewhat rare would be would be my guess. I don't know how many uh, times this uh, is know.
0: a this is a season of rarities, man. Auburn wins at Arkansas and at Vanderbilt in the same year. Auburn, both Auburn Ole Miss games had stakes and like and like real value to them and fans um,
1: and fans in attendance. Yeah,
0: yeah, and Oxford, yeah, crazy. Um, this has been a really wild year, and like we're gonna get to a point here. Uh, in a few weeks, where the Auburn South Carolina game is going to have stakes, the Auburn Georgia games are going to have stakes. I know Georgia's not. I mean, I think they're four and five now in the SEC, but that's still a team that's that's pretty feisty. Potential nit run, I think, could be in the in the works for them. Like this is a this is a wild season, and I think Jason Caldwell tweeted it on Saturday night. Just how far the league has come in in men's basketball is crazy. This is the number three. Conference in the country, and 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 number one and number two are not very far ahead of them, according to Kempom. Uh, just their conference rankings. Um, it, it it's crazy, and I'll tell you another crazy thing about this season as we just kind of look big picture at the halfway point of the league. Uh, Dan, I would have never expected, at all, at all, that we'd be at the halfway point in the season. Missouri still hadn't won an SEC game. I I bought in. And I bought into Vanderbilt too and I that was probably dumb of me but Missouri I mean this is a team that made noise last season and they are they're bad they just lost to Vanderbilt they're bad they're real bad and Arkansas is real bad as well we've kind of known that for a minute uh the the bottom of the league I think is weirdly as fascinating as the top of the league I don't know if, I mean Mississippi State's 3 and 6 now they played a br- brutal schedule but I mean like There're gonna be some teams playing on Wednesday night or whatever in the SEC tournament that like
1: have some talent, and we thought we're gonna be some dudes this year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure State has gotten their their turn at Vanderbilt and Missouri and Arkansas and uh, and and the teams at the at the bottom of the league right now. Yeah,
0: no, they they've played the toughest schedule in the league. To this point and 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 uh, on the flip side, Auburns played the softest one according according to the stats
1: but the no the the struggles of and and I would single out Arkansas because of the talent they had coming into the season. you know Rick Patino always said like there's you know you, you find out the difference between a team with great players and a great team and and Arkansas sure seems like you know that that's that's a team with great players that that just you know they don't fit and it it's not it doesn't seem like it's getting better. Right. It seems like it's. If, if anything, it's getting worse. They were drilled by LSU. Um. I. You know. I. I follow some Arkansas folks on social media, and I, one of them had a live stream going that was like, "What? What is Arkansas playing for the rest of the season? Is the is the is the title? <laughs> oh of,
0: dear. The title? Oh of the, dear. <laughs> the,
1: title, the title of the live stream. So. Uh. Yeah. I would say that it's. Uh. Um. Yeah. I mean, there. There is. There. There is hope, all around the conference, but not everywhere. Like that's. That would be the, the the caveat there. Painter, what are you playing for at this point in the season?
2: <laughs> I want to have a good time. <laughs> Both teams have fun.
0: Guys, the, the Auburn Alabama rematch. You look at the first game and you look at how Auburn did not take care of the ball early. That was a problem in the first half of this game as well at Ole Miss. We we talked a lot about the comeback and and all that, but Auburn gave up some really bad turnovers, got beaten transition. This is the last team on the planet that you want to give up, up turnovers to because they are running and gunning at a super high level. They took 48 three-pointers against Mississippi State. This team is going to come in and bomb and feel like, you know, we'll just beat you with volume. And they are and they can do it, too. And they've got guys who can score around the rim, obviously. Mark Sears, Grant Nelson had a really good game. We talk about defensive rebounding. That has got to be the key in this one for Auburn because – they played what when they made their comeback against Alabama uh, a couple weeks ago. It was defense and rebounding, and they were starting to hit some shots. They're going to hit more shots at home. It's just natural what they're going to do. Now, I don't think Auburn's going to have a second half like they had on offense against so Ole Miss. I don't think you're going to see that maybe ever again. That was just insane outliers, but really, really good numbers. Talk about that confidence. I think Auburn's going to be confident on offense, Dan. I think a more aggressive Denver Jones is going to help. I think they're settling in with this kind of pecking order right now at the point guard spot. Janai's playing it super well. Jalen Williams bounced back from from some tough t- Like This team's in a really, really good. Chad Baker-Mazzara is the, still the most impactful player on the team. They're still in a really, really good spot, but I just keep going back to defensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, and this is the one team in Alabama that will try to exploit that as much as you can, and it's a key reason why they didn't win uh, the first game. Um, so... Yeah, I mean I just I I look at these I look at these games. I look at this matchup coming up and I say, how much is Auburn going to learn from their mistakes in the first one? Because they didn't play terribly and they had a chance, but they know they didn't play nearly their best game.
1: And I still, you know, even after watching the first matchup, I still wonder, can Alabama protect the basket without having to overload the paint and sort of dare Auburn to shoot a ton of three-point shots? Like can Alabama uh, you know, c- can their can their guys win matchups defensively against Janai and Jalen? They did all right in the in the first. You know, Auburn didn't dominate uh, around around the basket or anything like that, but but they were pretty efficient. But Auburn was pretty efficient, and um and and I would I would still think that that looks like a spot where Auburn uh, might have the, the advantage. You know, is uh you know on 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 both ends of the floor. Maybe they've got more, especially with Nick Pringle. Uh, in the doghouse at, at the moment for Seems for Alabama, like, yeah. like I, I think that there's, uh, I mean, Nate, Nate Oates was talking about maturity and and things like that as far as explaining uh, his absence, and I think it's his second absence mm-hmm. from the team this season, and that's Fans, right. that's that's part of the you know that's part of the physicality Alabama has around the basket. That could be an impactful absence if it is indeed an absence on Wednesday against Auburn,
0: and I do think. The Vandy game and the Ole Miss game got Auburn back to if they go inside out, which is the best way they play their offense, Jalen and Genaya, and then the Like they're playing with more confidence, shooting the ball, and they're not always going to go in. And it's going to be hard to outshoot Alabama, just period, anywhere they play. But I do think Auburn is in a better position now than they were a couple weeks ago as to knock down those shots. This game should have given them a ton of confidence. That's what Bruce said after the game. Should, they should have, you know, This should be a confidence boost. They should believe in themselves more. I believe in them more. Didn't know that they had it in them. You know all that kind of stuff like this. This could end up being a turning point. And if they lose on Wednesday night to Alabama, I don't think all hope is lost by any means. But I do, I do really think this is a really big inflection point for Auburn because if you win, you don't get swept by Alabama again. You are, you are tied for the for the league lead uh, coming down to coming down to the wire. The you know the last four weeks of the season um it
1: would you, be a cha- it would be a championship caliber win for alabama like to, oh, to come absolutely. to face to face yeah, down yeah. what to face down what they're going to face down on wednesday night from not just from this team that that desperately wants to avenge the loss but but yeah from the atmosphere that will be in yeah. neville arena
0: and they got to go to rub and they got to go t- they got to play tennessee in a rematch later in the year so it's like they're not out of the woods, but like this would be a huge, huge step if, in that right direction.
1: If they're in first place, I think Saturday's game against LSU uh, in Baton Rouge will will be uh, will will be a lively atmosphere. LSU's been playing uh, some better basketball of late, and just and just uh, blew out Arkansas at home. I know it's Arkansas, not Alabama, but uh, I think even that one would be Al- Alabama should beat LSU. I think they have the, the the they tuned
0: them up in the first game.
1: They they did, but. You know, that's that's a uh, you know, it's going on the road in this league when you're at the top of the conference. We were just talking about it with Auburn. Like you, you sign up, you sign up to get other teams best shots on the road. And uh, and that's something that I think Alabama should expect the rest of the year. Uh, I think Auburn should expect that uh, the rest of the season with the teams they're going to play on the road. And uh, and yeah, I would certainly think Alabama is going to get Auburn's best shot uh, Wednesday night.
0: All right, before we go, real quickly, um, some football news. Uh, Jeremy Garrett, Auburn's defensive line coach, is going to the league. Jacksonville Jaguars have hired him as the defensive line coach. Dan, we talked about this in the last podcast. I just
1: I just said how much I liked him, right?
0: Yeah. Bon, well, bon voyage, Jeremy. And we had both. And I just said also, like, hey, we had that discussion about how guys were going to the NFL from college and how it's, it's picking up a lot more. Now, I do not think this is a case, me personally. You know, this is just... This is just me reading between the lines. It's not me. That's not reported information. I, this doesn't strike me as the case of, like, I don't like recruiting. I don't like being a college coach. I'm like, Jeremy Garrett had already been a, a, a good NFL coach and had and worked his way up and, and, and been on some good stabs and, and had done a good job. So I can definitely see that. I do think that position,
1: this- position coaches leaving. For the NFL, for a similar job in the NFL, that that predates NIL and that predates the transfer. Yeah, portal. and there's like a lot that.
0: of back and forth there. Uh, but uh, you know, like you, I really like Jeremy Garrett. Um, Really enjoyed the conversations that I had him. Really enjoyed covering him. Hope he has great career um, wherever it ends up. You know, I think he's he's a great dude, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for him. I will say this though, we will. Uh, this makes the defensive line situation for Auburn a little bit hairier coming into 2024. This is a group that's losing Marcus Harris and Justin Rogers. Didn't have you know Masina Silakite most of the year. They did bring in some new talent. Um, you love Keldrick Falk. You you like the transfers and all that. But th- this was one of the biggest question marks on the team. Probably the biggest question mark outside of quarterback uh, heading into 2024. It's going to be something new. We will see what that looks like. I don't have any kind of hot board scoop sources, anything like that. That, you know, people who listen know that that's not my game. But I will say this be interested to see what Auburn does. Is it, do they go in a direction of somebody that uh, Hugh Freeze has worked with in the past to be their defensive line coach? Do they go with somebody who has familiarity with Auburn. I think that's probably one of your two games. Or I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, there is a guy already on staff that did a great job that a lot of people uh really like um on on the staff in Vontrell King Williams, who was kind of the right hand man to Jeremy Garrett. If you've watched anything for Prattus, saw any videos or anything like that, seen anything with the defensive line, he's been right there with him. Hugely involved. I wonder it's February, it's a little later in the cycle. You know, is there an opportunity where he gets elevated to that role? I think he would do a really good job in it. Um so a lot of different directions Auburn can go there, but I didn't want to bring up because point that out because, A, it just happened to be, damn, we were literally just talking about this. And I think I said in the last podcast, the staff seems set in case there's anything else moving. And I, I think I said NFL staffs are still trying to lock some stuff down. So here we are.
1: It's not a popularity contest, and you don't want to go to the nostalgia bag one too often. I can't imagine a more popular move than bringing back Rodney Garner. Like oh po- like, yeah, po- poaching Rodney Garner from Tennessee and bringing him back as defensive line coach. Now I'm not saying that's in the cards. I'm not saying that's something. I you know I, I maybe I was watching Derek Brown highlights yesterday. You know, but but it's uh, you know I, I have
0: that, heard I, I have heard that I've he- heard that name,
1: and and it's I something I think I think some some folks on social media immediately when they heard mm-hmm. that Auburn had a defensive line opening went to you know could this provide you know does this provide a runway. For for Rodney Garner to possibly come back as Auburn defensive line coach, and I, again, not a popularity contest. A lot of factors in play. Uh, that would, on the surface, that would seem like a, a grand slam.
0: I saw heard and and I've heard people talk about Tracy Rocker as well.
1: Just want to throw that one out there. That one's that one's been a. I, I would, yeah, and I would also. I I think that would also be a a, a very popular hire among people who remember his work and. Uh, know, uh, know, know how talented he is as as a defensive line coach. All right, that'll do it from
0: us. We will be back later this week to talk Auburn-Alabama. Uh, we will look ahead to Auburn-Florida. Wow, that's turned into a pretty big one as well. And then anything else coming up with football, we will have newsletters throughout the week. We will ge- get you geared up on the newsletter side for uh, Auburn-Alabama. A lot of basketball stuff coming up this week uh, before we hit the road back down to Gainesville. Again, appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody subscribing. I appreciate all the folks I ran into in uh, Oxford. Always good to hear from y'all. Very, very kind. Appreciate y'all very, very much uh, for subscribing to The Observer and uh, and, uh, and all the kind words. It means a ton. Yeah, we'll be back later in the week. That's it for me. Hayner, final thoughts.
2: Dan, since you've got to make a drive to Troy pretty frequently these days, What do you find yourself listening to most in the car?
1: All right. So this is um, I'm going to be totally I'm total disclosure here. Often uh, when I listen, when I drive to and from Troy, I will listen to my most my most recent call of the game to sort of self scout and see. Well, you know, maybe I say this phrase too often. Maybe I, you know, I need to remember to watch my volume here or think about my energy there. So I do, and I think some of it's maybe just ego driven. Like I, oh, I get to listen to myself call a basketball that, game. See,
0: this is where it's different. For you and I are different, and not because I'm not saying I don't have an ego, and and you do. Um, I hate my own voice. I hate the sound of it. So that seems like a nightmare. Like I don't listen back to this podcast hardly ever, and that's probably that's probably a reflection of its quality on my end. <laughs> but like,
1: now I don't I don't go back and listen to myself on podcasts ever. On radio, like, I, I very rarely do that. But but yeah. I will I will go back and especially and you know what, and I tend to you like maybe,
0: breaking down game tape. And maybe you're in, it's you're my... in the film room.
1: And maybe it's my emotional attachment to the team that I I tend to avoid doing it for losses. Like I'll only I'll only go back and listen to the games that we win because they're more fun uh, to relive, uh, and it and it and it helps pass the time on the uh, you know the hour plus drive uh, to Ooh. and uh, to and from Troy from Auburn. The Man, other how, thing- many to- oh. how many times
0: how many times you ever stopped at Sykes and Con?
1: <laughs> you're on the way down? It's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Um. Oh, shout out to uh. uh you know what? Too many. Too many barbecue places. I guess Hooks would be the one that I'd, I'd shout out, but there's there's a you know several the the one with Hook's, the pig. Yeah,
0: Hooks. My thing with Hooks is like if you ever go to a place where they're where they have a barbecue plate and they're like part of their main meal is like we will give you pound cake with this. Like, yeah, that that is, that is a top tier location.
1: You know, I I would I've always said that a a good barbecue restaurant is going to have a pig in the front, and a great barbecue restaurant is going to have the pig doing something. You know, dancing or you know uh, doing something a pig shouldn't be doing grilling you know some some activity if the pigs doing an activity you're in uh, you're in you're in really good shape the other thing i listen to is some some saint has uploaded the dvd commentaries uh from the writers actors and directors from the first 10 seasons of the simpsons uh every every commentary from every episode and so i've i've got like a trove of my favorite episodes of the simpsons where the uh where the writers and actors sort of explain what's going on provide alternate commentaries and they're very listenable you know i'll watch an episode or and and then i'll i'll go go back and listen to the uh you know to some of the stories from behind the scenes or how certain jokes you know came into uh came into focus and it's i mean that's that's hardcore that's hardcore simpsons nerd stuff there uh to be to be cruising around listening to 20 year old podcasts you know 20 year old alternate dvd commentaries like they're podcast episodes but uh but not it's, it's uh you know some some really funny stories from uh from from some of my favorite tv shows
2: hey what are you doing on our drive uh it's a it depends on my mood podcast is probably the first thing i'm going to throw on but it, yeah you know my Same. the way my brain works after about 20 to 30 minutes of almost any activity uh, i tend to change it so probably yeah, because- music.
0: We have several mutual podcasts that we both listen to during the week. And like, I will be like, I'll text painter and I'll be like, yeah, that this episode was awesome. Painter <laughs> will be like, I didn't finish it. Like, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever texted painter about an episode of his show. And he was just like, yes, I have listened to the entire thing already. It's always and like, some of that, yeah, I'll get some back to it.
2: My own ADHD. But I think also some of that is like, I listen while I go to sleep. And yep. so I wind up listening to the first twenty or so minutes, half hour, whatever the case may be, and then I conk out.
0: I'll do a I'll do a podcast episode where I'll like that day, every time I get into my car and have to go somewhere, I listen to it. So it's like 10, 15 minute chunks at a time. So I get I get that as well.
1: And, and I listened to comedy Bang Bang pretty obsessively for a while. And and I've I'm I'm uneven on my listening now. I listen to how did this get made for a long time, uh, you know, pretty, pretty routinely. I still have, you know, I, on my phone, I've got the last 10 years of the best of comedy bang bang episodes. The one that Scott and Paul F. Tompkins do at the end of the year, which if you, if you don't know what comedy bang bang is, or if you've never, if you've never listened to it before, Scott Ackerman, a a comedian in Los Angeles hosts an improv based comedy show. And, and an easy way into it is they do a year end four-part recap of, uh, you know, in, including clips from the top 10 or top 15 episodes. Do you
0: think anybody would ever do a best of of this, this podcast? I think it'd be tough because we're all super topical and we really don't do bits, but
1: maybe. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody out there.
0: There's somebody out there who's like that That one thing that you said that one time was funny.
1: Yeah, stop leave, Stop making the best of just all the episodes I skip, too. You know, whoever whoever's doing that, knock that off. Weisenheimer.